4: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by George Kurtz today as Craig Mish continues his well deserved, well earned vacation. We have lots of news and headlines. Coming for you guys today, our very first NFL game is going to be kicking off tonight, the Hall of Fame game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Lots, lots to get to on the baseball diamond as well. NBA free agency continues. I'll be joined by Brett Levy, our producer, to discuss about that later. And uh, Olympics continue to heat up as well with some of the U.S. men's and U.S. women's team playing for gold medals over the course of the next couple days. George, how are we doing on this uh, Thursday afternoon?
5: Oh, we're doing well. I'm actually in the, uh, I shouldn't say in the middle, uh, a slow draft has just started for me uh, in, a, in a fantasy football here. So I'm looking forward to my pick. I go in five selections. I have the sixth pick in
4: the first round. There we go. The sixth pick in the first round, an interesting spot to be in. Of course, our headlines for today. Anthony Rendon is now scheduled to have season-ending surgery. Never good news for my Los Angeles Angels. Of course, I'm not actually a Los Angeles Angels fan, but I really I need the Angels to find a way to have at least a 500 record by the end of the season. I, I think Otani is going to win MVP either way, but it makes it a little bit more tenuous if he is on you know a stone-cold losing team. Max Scherzer had his Dodgers debut on Wednesday night. He was aces up, strikes out 10 batters there, looked about as good as ever. The Dodgers are terrifying, uh, supposedly going to be adding Cole Hamels to their rotation or to their bullpen soon. USA men's basketball, after all the fear, after all the problems, after you know losing in the first round, after losing to Nigeria in the warm-up games, it does look like USA men's basketball. They are a gigantic favorite in the final game of the men's tournament they dug deep and uh you know it's you you'd like to say it's a little bit of a feel-good story but basically when the u.s men enter into a basketball competition it is a disappointment if they don't win that is just how dominant the united states is at basketball perhaps most importantly Deshaun Watson to the Eagles talks are heating up. I, I actually know this to be true. Uh, I, I know someone who would be privy to that information that I know for a fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are very interested in trading for Deshaun Watson. Maybe most interesting, though, it does not seem, George, like Jalen Hurts is a big part of these trade rumors. It seems like the Texans are not interested in getting Jalen Hurts back in the deal, so Hurts would remain on the roster. Do you think that this ends up getting across the finish line? I, I, I am unsure. Do we think that Deshaun Watson ends up on the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, my question,
5: my first question would be when? He said, across the finish line. It's not getting done anytime soon. All right. It's certainly not getting done anytime soon for a couple of reasons. One, you don't know what's going to happen with Watson. All right. He's going to get suspended. That's just a matter of time. Uh, I guess Goodell's waiting for the, uh, is he going to be charged? Is he not going to be charged? And that's the other thing. He could end up in jail out of this. There are criminal complaints that came out of this now, which you knew was going to happen. It was, that was a matter of time as well. So what's going to be the conclusion of all this. Let's remember, you know, Zeke got what? Six games, eight games for what he did. This seems to be much worse than what Zeke did and other players as well. Uh, so... Is he going to get eight games, 10 games, 12 games, a season? I think the Eagles right now, I think they'd like him, and they have the draft ammunition to do it. If they don't want Hurts, well, they know the Eagles have at least two number ones next year, possibly three, depending on when Carson Wentz haha, gets healthy and plays uh, because he has that percentage clause of uh, snaps played, started. Uh, they get, what, 70, 75%, and the uh, that second-round pick goes to another first-round pick. So we'll see what that is there. I think the Eagles right now are checking in. Can they get him for light? Can they get it for cheap? You know, can they get it for 75 cents on the dollar? You know, and okay, then we'll take Watson now and we'll eat it. But what do <clears throat> you I mean, really, what teams are going to want to take on this PR nightmare right now? You trade for Watson right now and you're going to have so many groups that are come protest against you. And then he might get suspended. Or he is going to get suspended. He might go to jail. I mean, it'd be a nightmare to do it right now. They want to see if he's if they'll do it for cheap, then maybe it's worth it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think that it does sound like the Houston Texans are asking for the sun, the moon, and the stars, and I think why Jalen Hurts is not being included in the trade is because the Texans don't even view themselves as being able to compete this year or next year, so they just want, all they want is the picks, that's all they care about, and uh, I, I think you are probably right. My guess would be that the rest of the NFL and the Eagles are just waiting for some confirmation from the nfl on what is going to happen to deshaun watson will he be suspended for the entire season will he be placed on the commissioner's exempt list? will he be suspended for six games will he be suspended for eight games and you know to be fair to whatever team trades for him you're not trading for a guy who's on the end of his contract uh technically deshaun watson is not only under contract for this year he's under contract for five more seasons Now, George, how surprised would you be to know Deshaun Watson's dead cap number this year? I'm not making this up. $67 million is Deshaun Watson's cap number this year. That's got to be the biggest in the sport.
5: I'm not. I'm not surprised. I've already. I checked that out as well. Uh, just for giggles, to see what that is. So I do. I did know the number was over 60 million. But even if I didn't know, this we've known the other dead cap numbers, right? We knew what Ryan's was. We knew what Goff's was. Stafford's because they got traded here. And as we know he's in the first couple of years of a big contract when the cap numbers are always astronomical here. So yeah, it was going to be wild here. But what does Houston care? They have nobody they want to keep anyway. That team is decimated.
4: Yeah, it it definitely doesn't matter to Houston. Everyone, we are going to go ahead and run into our first break here on the show. When we return, we're going to take a look at some of the fantasy football training camp notes from around the league. Stay tuned to SportsGrid TV and here on FST. See you guys in a few moments. Everyone and welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by George Kurtz. Here in the second segment of Hour One, we are going to take a look at just some of the news that is coming out of NFL training camps. Of course, you know, pretty much every minute we are getting more news. Someone else looks great. Someone else looks bad. The quarterback just threw his first interception of camp. Zach Wilson looks horrible. A Jets offensive lineman gets injured. You know, it uh, it never stops, uh, especially once training camp gets started. But, George, we have some very specific headlines to deal with today. The first one, I, I have to think this is actually a pretty big update Julio Jones on Tuesday afternoon left training camp with an undisclosed leg injury. This is sort of a new trend, but we've seen a lot of head coaches this offseason tell us, look, we're not mandated by the NFL to tell you what's going on with these players, so we're not going to. We're not going to disclose what they've injured, how long they're going to be out for, but we know that Julio has not returned to practice yet this week. He has a pretty rich ADP considering, you know, his age, his injury status, the lower volume of the Titans passing game, going at the tail end of the third round, beginning of the fourth round. Last year, we saw clear signs of decline for him due to injury. Julio Jones, 41st overall ADP. How worried are we about this leg injury, George? I mean,
5: about this injury, I guess I'm not that worried about it that being said it reinforces what i think about Helio Jones He's going to be hurt he's going to be on the uh, the il list almost every week questionable questionable with a foot questionable with an ankle questionable with this questionable with that and you're sort of playing the game each and every week all right what percentage is he at is he at 80 70 95 are they just playing games here you know that that sort of thing so he's always going to be a frustrating player to have in fantasy because of that reason so and he's going going to a new team he's got to I guess he still is the focal point of the passing offense, but Henry's really the focal point of the offense as a whole, unlike it where in Atlanta, where it was really all about Julio Jones. So that'll downgrade him to me as well. I still think he's a wide receiver one, but where, you know, maybe in past years you could think about him being a top five. He's more like top 10 for me now. And he's a player, like uh, I can say, once again, I don't like having three or four players like him because they're, they're going to get hurt at some point. Now I'm down a couple of players in a week. You know that's frustrating, and if I play in multiple leagues, which I know I will do, I won't have him in a majority, and I won't have him four or five leagues. I can't do that. I know it'll drive me insane. Here, two leagues probably my max to have him.
4: I'm I'm definitely with you. I I like Julio Jones in a vacuum, of course, he's a phenomenal player, but I I do have some concerns, and certainly none of those concerns are being quelled by him already being banged up in the preseason right last year he was only able to play in nine games 68 targets 771 yards three touchdowns i mean those are those are fine per game numbers but they're a little bit worse than per game numbers from years before did look like calvin ridley was clearly better than him last season and i you know certainly i don't think he will be the number one wide receiver on the titans i think that title is going to land with aj brown who I mean, A.J. Brown does kind of seem like the the answer to, you know, who is the next Calvin Johnson. Like, he is absolutely unbelievable. Turning our attention to the NFC North, there's kind of been this open question of who will be the second wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. You know, I think a lot of people assumed that that was going to be Darnell Mooney. And Darnell Mooney has had a good camp, but we are consistently hearing good things about Marquise Goodwin who was on the Philadelphia Eagles last season, but opted out, was on the 49ers in 2018 and 2019, and really did not have a strong season. But again, if you go back a little bit further, back in 2017, he left the Buffalo Bills, signed with the San Francisco 49ers, registered 105 targets, 962 yards, now only two touchdowns in that season. But every report I hear out of Chicago's camp is that Goodwin looks amazing, that he is a great fit with Justin Fields, that he is consistently getting open down the field, and Justin Fields is hitting him with these long balls. And I, I am inclined to say that Goodwin will probably win that wide receiver three job in Chicago, considering you know they have rookies, guys like Daz Newsome, some other guys like Javon Wims, who have never made an NFL impact there as well. Are you buying this on Marquise Goodwin, George? Do we think that he can be the third wide receiver in Chicago?
5: I think the first thing that comes to mind was, do I care? Do I care? And the answer is no, I really don't. And uh, it has has nothing to do with Goodwin, by the way. Uh, Fine player. Uh, Andy Dalton's going to start for this team, all right, Uh, which is probably the wrong decision to make here. Fields will take over eventually. Maybe it's sooner rather than later. But still, it's going to be Dalton. Even when it's Fields, are going to throw the ball down the field? Unlikely. You look at the coaching staff; they're a conservative staff. They don't want to throw the ball over the field. They're stuck in '80s and '90s football and before that. They haven't really caught up to what the game is about nowadays. So there's no big things coming here. It's not to say I don't want Goodwin on my team or Mooney or anybody else, but I think the upside is limited. I think when it comes to picking those guys, I'll be looking at somebody else. You know what? Who maybe maybe a slight tick below them as far as talent level, but they play on a more pass-heavy offense. Their upside might be high. I, I want a high ceiling here. You know, not, not not a high floor. You know, so I, I don't like what I'm seeing here in Chicago. Uh, it's just a combination of things. Dalton starting over Fields. Even when Fields go does go in here, i got to worry about the rookie, uh, you know, adjustment he's got to make there. You know, how much penny points are they going to score? The coaching staff is conservative. You know, they're not going to throw the ball down the field here. Too many red flags for me. Even Allen Robinson I've loaded, and I like Robinson a lot. I feel bad for this guy. No matter where he goes, he has no quarterback talent around him. But – uh you know, I've lowered him in my rankings as well. I just don't see how he's able to do it unless he gets every target.
4: Yeah, I, I have to say I am uh, I'm not on board with this one. I, I feel like much like what we're seeing in San Francisco, which is every single practice report is Jimmy Garoppolo looks terrible. Trey Lance looks amazing. everyone's excited about Trey Lance. We're, we're starting to hear those things about Chicago Bears Camp as well. Andy Dalton doesn't look very strong everything Justin Fields does look amazing. So what what I have thought the entire time is that Andy Dalton is going to start that week 1 game against the Los Angeles Rams, Aaron Donald is going to tear that Bears offensive line a new one, the Chicago Bears are going to lose like 43 to 7 and we're going to see Justin Fields very soon after that. I mean, remember and and you know these rookie quarterbacks, they do tend to start before we think, right? Like just by and large They end up getting in there. I mean, remember Deshaun Watson ended up coming in at halftime of his first ever game because I I believe it was Tom Savage. Now, don't hold me to that. It might not have been Tom Savage. But whatever quarterback the Texans had was playing so bad, they were just like, you know what, we're just going to put Watson in. And I feel like that's probably what's going to end up happening with them as well. Our final news update here, the Chargers coaching staff has said that Donald Parham, their second string tight end, is going to see an expanded role. I've been anticipating this the entire time. Jared Cook, a thirty-four-year-old veteran, you know, we we have seen the best of what Jared Cook has to offer. Parham was maybe one of the best players in the XFL back when they played in twenty twenty. He had that clear. I mean, he was amazing in the red zone. Guys like six feet uh, eight, you know, he's he's incredible. He's a gigantic human, and they're not going to ask him to block. I I do think Donald Parham is going to be a fantasy relevant player this year. George, do you agree?
5: Probably because tight end is so thin, especially once injuries happen, bye weeks, too, for that matter. Uh, this is a tight end situation I plan on staying away from. I am not a Cook guy, never have been. Once again, players who, you know, receivers who can't catch bother me for some reason. You know, when you have stone hands there, and it's what he has there. You know, Cook could have some drops there. So I had Cook as, as it is, as a low end tight end, too. Uh, I'm not drafting uh, either one of them. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not going for you. I'll find somebody else. I think they're both pickups during the season here. And I don't like drafting two tight ends, so I don't want to say, well, you know, grab Parham as a a sleeper. I don't like drafting two tight ends unless you're playing with eight reserves, and most of us are not here. I like to save those for wide receivers and running backs, not the tight end position.
4: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, the the places where I've been drafting Donald Parham thus far have mostly been in best ball leagues. I also think you can take stabs on him as your second tight end in FFPC high-stakes leagues where they do the tight end premium. We are going to go ahead and go into our third break here on the show. When we return, I will be joined by our producer, Brett Levy. We have more news from NBA Free Agency, more trades, more contracts being signed, lots to discuss as it pertains to the NBA and all of the roster moves. See you guys in a few minutes on the other side of break. everyone, and welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined in this segment by our producer, Brett Levy. We have to talk about uh, all of the news happening in the NBA. You know, we, we got it all. We got NFL training camp. We got Olympics going on. We got golf going on. It's, it's impossible to track it all. So, of course, we brought Brett in to talk about some of the big storylines going on in the NBA. And even on day three of NBA free agency, after that big flurry of moves on day one, we do still have a major movement to talk about from playoff teams last season in the NBA. Our first one is the 2021 Washington Wizards have added in Spencer Dinwiddie and Kentavious Caldwell Pope, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, and Corey Kispert. Their rookie draft, uh, their rookie draft pick, while losing out on Russell Westbrook, Chandler Hutchinson, and Ish Smith. I I feel Brett like Spencer Dinwiddie. People kind of forget how good he was before he tore his ACL. Like, the Nets really had a strong player in Spencer Dinwiddie. He was maybe viewed as one of the centerpieces, actually, of a potential trade for the Washington Wizards and the Brooklyn Nets. Remember when the Brooklyn Nets were trying to acquire James Harden? How do you feel about this transfer? Do you think that Dinwiddie can help replace some of that production they lost from Russell Westbrook?
7: Yeah, so, I mean, I think Spencer Dinwiddie's a great player. He... Uh, you know, came out of college injured, so that dropped his draft stock, and then he found his way into the G League, came all the way back, was a key rotation piece for Brooklyn prior to his ACL injury last year, so yeah, I, I'm a big believer in Spencer Dinwiddie, we overlapped for a year in Brooklyn, so I'm, I'm gonna root for him, obviously, as a guy I've worked with, um, but I'm very curious to see what they end up doing with Bradley Beal. I like some of the pieces they've added, but Montrezl Harold, Dan Gafford's already there, played very well last season uh, after the trade from Chicago. Thomas Bryant comes back. He's probably locked in to be their starting center. So where are the minutes for Harrell? Uh, If you're playing Bradley Beal, almost 35, 40 minutes a night, where are you playing uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope? Especially when you drafted a three uh, the last two years with Avija and now with Corey Kispert. So I see some rotation problems with the Wizards, but... It You know, it could be a full-on rebuild if they end up dumping Bradley Beal, but definitely an interesting offseason for Washington, I would say, Davis.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I guess one of their big problems was they just were not a deep team last year, right? I mean, they were having to give rotation minutes to guys like Isak Bonga. And you know they were they were making trades in the middle of the season to add depth, and they were of course you know they suffered the Thomas Bryant injury, and they were really just on on the seat of their pants trying to improve their roster. They are they might not have like the total top level talent. You know Bradley Beal is probably their only player who is going to threaten to make an All NBA team, but this is a team that can go you know nine deep with very solid NBA players. Like if, if you if you ask me, this roster versus the New York Knicks roster, I mean, I don't know. Kuzma takes a step offensively. KCP is a great wing defender. Bradley Beal, one of the best scorers in the NBA. If Dinwiddie is fully rehabbed from his knee injury, could the Wizards be the fifth seed? Yeah, I I actually think they could. So maybe I will find myself being a little bit higher on them. Of course, one of the main teams they are going to be competing against. The Miami Heat continue their makeover of their roster. Victor Oladipo agreed to a contract extension with Miami. I have to feel like this was kind of predestined or Miami would not have wanted to make that trade for Oladipo in the first place. Now, he only played in four games before he re-injured his knee. And Oladipo has really struggled with health the last couple years. Um... Honestly, ever since he left Oklahoma City and that first stint back with the Pacers, he really has not been fully healthy. Where does Oladipo fit in in this Miami rotation? Do you do you view him as a starter? Is he going to be the first guy off the bench? Is he going to be more of a wing player? Do you think they want to have him handling the ball? How do you view Oladipo with this new-look Miami roster?
7: I think he's really the insurance policy for Tyler Harrow, right? Like, you get uh, maybe he's not the player he was when he was an all-star with the Indiana Pacers or, you know, competing for defensive player of the year early in his career. But uh, Oladipo coming off of injury, still a steady score uh, again, was OK when he was playing for Miami last year. Twelve points, three rebounds, three assists in four games, getting acclimated again, coming back from injury. So the injury problems concerning, but when you think about it, what Miami would really like to have happen here is, uh, you know, have Duncan Robinson go back to how he was shooting in the bubble. They'd like to have Tyler Hero go back to how he was shooting in the bubble. They'd like to have P.J. Tucker maybe hit some corner threes this postseason or this upcoming postseason, uh, you know, as opposed to his lack of shooting last year. But he was a knockdown corner three guy uh, with the Houston Rockets. So they're hoping some guys can turn it back a little bit, uh, improve their shooting numbers from a year ago. Uh, And, you know, Oladipo would obviously be a nice insurance piece, but I don't think they're relying on him to lead their bench in scoring or carry this heavy weight. I think they'd like some of their younger guys to take the step forward, and I imagine that's what they're working towards in Miami.
4: Oh, you are—you're definitely right. I mean, if Tyler Hero is not able to develop anymore, if he plays like the 2021 version of himself and not the bubble version of himself, I feel like Miami is going to have a pretty tough time. I mean, because they—they they don't really have any bench scoring. They also don't really have a ton of great shooters. You know, they—they are pretty consistently going to be playing a big man in Bam Adebayo. So that you're when you are always playing a center who needs to be closer to the basket. That means that the other four players on the court have to be that much better at shooting in order to providing spacing. Jimmy Butler is an okay three-point shooter, right? He's decent. Duncan Robinson is a great three-point shooter. Even when Duncan was having a bad season, he was good at shooting three-pointers. But we saw last season... I mean, they tried to do so many things to figure out power forward and replace the hole that Jay Crowder left. They were playing Trevor Ariza. They were playing Andre Iguodala. Sometimes they would play Butler at the four. And you would you would have to hope that, you know, Kyle Lowry gets a little bit, like he comes in and he, he shoots uh, from three pretty well. Tyler Hero gets a little bit better. Oh, the Depot is able to solidify that a little bit. But, I mean, I, I think kind of the problem with the Miami Heat is that that finals run was so unexpected that they kind of jumped themselves forward a couple years in terms of their contract. And maybe it turns out that they were just uniquely positioned to succeed in the bubble because of how good of a coach Eric Spolstra Spolstra is and the mentality of guys on that team. And outside of the bubble, things seem like it's not quite working as well for the Heat. Our final roster update here, a very cool story. Kiefer Sykes, a guard who played four seasons at Green Bay in the Horizon Conference, was actually playing in the basketball tournament with a $1 million first prize. Tuesday night, Kiefer Sykes hits the game-winning shot for Bayheim's Army. Then he signs a deal with the Indiana Pacers after the game. He was undrafted. He was a 2,000-point scorer. And he was a guy who got some three-pointers off, especially towards the end of his career, at Green Bay. I don't know a ton about this guy. My guess would be he's going to have a nice little summer league. Probably, I mean, it would be very fun if he did end up making the Pacers roster as like the 15th guy or whatever. Uh, what what can we know about Kiefer Sykes, Brett?
7: Yeah, so Kiefer Sykes uh, has played in the G League. He's played in Greece. He's played in a bunch of different places, the NBL, uh, same league, Lamella Ball, Josh Giddey. Terrence Ferguson, a bunch of guys have gone to the NBL. Andrew Bogate went in there. So he's played some good competitive basketball. He signed an Exhibit 10 deal, Davis, which is basically a training camp deal. Uh, usually there are some incentives tied to maybe get you to come play for the G League team. And once you're playing in the G League, injuries start happening, Davis. A team could need a guard at any moment. Maybe it's a playoff team. Maybe they lost a big scoring piece. Kiefer Sykes is a scoring guard. He proved it at college. He proved it in the TBT. He's done it everywhere he's been. That's what he does. He scores the basketball. So uh, there's a chance. You see him on an NBA roster this year. Just a very cool story. Uh... And, you know, I thought it was more fun to talk about um, my Bayheim's Army team winning Davis than Julius Randle going back to the Knicks. So we were splitting hairs there, and we landed on Kiefer Sykes. Go Qs. What do we what do we
4: make of this report that Lamarcus Aldridge might actually come back to the NBA? remember he signed with the Nets. I think he played like three games with them and then he retired. Apparently he has been speaking to medical professionals who think that it's now safe for him to return back to the basketball court. I mean first of off, do you think he signs anywhere and if he does, do you I, I mean is he just going back to the nets? Uh, is he maybe an option for the Lakers as their backup center? you know what do we do we see in the obvious spot for him to land?
7: Um, well, I I personally wouldn't sign him without my medical staff clearing off on him, so that's probably the first thing, is a team's medical staff would have to be like, yeah, this is a okay investment for you to make. Um, and you know, I just respect L.A., he's had a great career, uh, I would like to see him maybe end it in Portland. But I don't know if that's necessarily the perfect landing spot for him, so much as like maybe the best story for his career. Yeah, I think you're I think you're probably right.
4: I mean it would be cool to see him come back and you know be hitting three pointers for the Lakers or for the Knicks or someone. Like I I've always liked Lamarcus Aldridge, but yeah, it remains to be seen. All right, guys, we are going to go ahead and run into another break here real quick on the show. George Kurtz will be rejoining me after the break to look at some of the big baseball games for today. See
3: you guys in a few moments.
2: Thank you.
4: Everyone, and welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, rejoined by George Kurtz. Now that we're done with our silly, round, bouncy, orange basketball discussions, getting back to America's pastime, we're going to go through today's baseball games from a sports wagering perspective. Of course, there are many teams that uh, the games don't matter for anymore. They are 15 games back of their division, no hope of a wild card. Every single day, the AL East does continue to heat up. We have some races in the National League East. The Phillies are now only one and a half games back of Brett's Mets. We'll see if they're able to hold on there. And George, we are going to start today with the Boston Red Sox at the Detroit Tigers. I I think pretty much every game for the Boston Red Sox against bad teams is a complete must-win for the rest of the season. I I think that if the Red Sox not only want to win the division, but even to make the playoffs – I, I feel like they have to be winning these games against the bottom-feeding American League teams. Now, the Detroit Tigers are a bad baseball team, but they're not a bad hitting team. It's really their pitching that's let them down. I mean, they've gotten great hitting seasons out of Jonathan Scope. Eric Hosse has been one of the, the big stories of the season for fantasy baseball. They they really can actually hit the ball, which you would not think looking at this line boston is a minus 134 favorite detroit a plus 114 dog a total of 10 is definitely telling you that uh, martin perez is expected to give up some home runs and who knows with Tarek skubel i mean Tarek skubel has a 13 strikeout game this year he also has had games where he hasn't gotten out of the third inning martin perez versus Tarek skubel the old guy versus the young guy who can't quite figure out how to locate his fastball What are our thoughts on this game, George? You know, when you look at the Red Sox, uh, good and bad.
5: Uh, The good news is, you know, if they can just be in decent position, their last six games of the season are against at Baltimore, at the Nationals, two also ran teams. So you like that, right? Uh, The problem is they have ten games left. Ten games left versus the Rays. Uh, That's probably their season there. You know, how well they're going to do in those ten games versus the Rays? There, that'll turn if they're going to go anywhere. They got six left versus the Yankees here. Uh, they play Toronto for four games starting Friday. So, Red Sox have their work cut out for them. It won't, certainly will not be easy. As far as this game is concerned, now I agree with you. The, you got to take care of business against the Tigers. And they lost. They lost on Tuesday. One last night. You, you can't lose two out of three to Detroit. You, you just can't. So. I think they take care of business tonight. I do, but they're not playing all that great of late. Uh, You know, Scoobal could be decent at times for Detroit. I think Detroit's pitching, by the way, is bright in the future. You know, Casey Mize, Scoobal, Manning, say some other guys in the minors. Once they go up their offense too, with Torkelson, when he gets called up, they're an interesting team a couple of years down the line. That being said, doesn't help us tonight here. I like the Red Sox, but I don't feel confident in it. I just don't feel confident in it. If I do have a bet, it'll be a small bet on the Sox tonight, and it probably a parlay opportunity at that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I am rooting for the Boston Red Sox to lose every single game. I did not like them coming into the season. I definitely, I want the, I want the Toronto Blue Jays. I know, I know you're a Yankees fan, but I want the Toronto Blue Jays to find a way to get there in that division. Um, and and by the way, the Tigers. You're right. Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal. I mean, Matt Manning has been awful. I mean, Matt Manning has been bad this season. A 5.59 ERA, not striking anyone out, an 11% strikeout rate. I think Matt Manning should probably go back to the minors. I don't know how well he is being served by being left up in The major leagues right now but i i hope he gets it figured out uh i i think scoobal actually he was kind of viewed as the lower end one of this grouping but he's been the best in the major leagues thus far of the group so a pleasant little surprise there for the detroit tigers even if matt manning hasn't been able to figure it out our next one of course we have the seattle mariners who are just grappling every single day they are now down to seven and a half games back of their division and they are six games back of, or actually no, they are, they are right now only one game back of the second wildcard. So it's still possible for them, but they are huge underdogs here. Nestor Cortez takes the mound for the New York Yankees. Tyler Anderson taking the mound for the Seattle Mariners. That Yankees lineup, I mean, it, it is starting to do its job. And yesterday, it looked pretty close to, like, one of the better lineups in baseball. Lemehu Rizzo, Judge, Gallo, Stanton, Glaber, Odor, Higgy Ashoka. And then I just I, – every time I'm forced to read Brett Gardner's name off, it's really triggering for me. And I bet it's triggering for you, too, as a Yankees fan. I mean, how annoyed are you that this team is still running out Brett Gardner every single day in center field?
5: It's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. It's why I always advocate, you know, and listen, Brett Gardner's been a decent Yankee for his career. He's been a good Yankee for his career, but I didn't like the resigning this year because when you sign a veteran of his stature, someone's been with the team for so long, you, you might say, oh, he's a fourth outfield, a fifth outfield. He'll rarely play. That's bull. It's always bull because the manager's going to feel like he's obligated to play the guy and not bury him on the bench. So He always plays more than he should, even in a normal season. Now, this has not been a normal season for the Yankees because of all the injuries. But, yeah, uh... First of all, Gardner should never see the batter's box when there's a lefty on the mound. Never, ever. Should be anywhere near a batter's box when there's lefty on the mound. It should barely be one with a righty on the mound. It's, like I said, the Yankees, some of their outfield moves have been strange. They just sent down Craig Allen today. Why? I mean, the guy has shown fly. He's shown speed on the bases. He's been aggressive. He's hit. He can play center. Why? I don't understand that at all. But switch hitter, too. Oh, they kept Jonathan Davis over him who they uh, took off waivers from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Found that strange. You know, they've been playing yo-yo games with Esteban Florio all year. Even though know, he's shown spurts where he can play. I would have rather seen him on the roster as well, uh, other than Gardner. But it is what it is. You know, what are you going to do? As far as this game is concerned, what do we believe now? The Yankees have scored double digits back-to-back games. That's great. Yay! The offense is back. But it was against Baltimore, a team they've destroyed over the last couple of years. You know, they actually had a couple of productive outs yesterday where they actually hit ground balls to the right side. I was like, wow, look at the Yankees here. They're actually getting a ground ball and advancing a runner. I don't know what to think here. Are they back? Have they woken up? Or was it just a couple of games against Baltimore? Then we'll go back to where they can't hit, uh, hit can't uh, play situational baseball tonight. Curious, uh, like Brett said during the break, and I agree with him, the Yankees shouldn't be minus 205. The value says go with Seattle here. The Yankees, I think, are the better team. I think they might win the game. But if i'm going to bet this game it's going to be for the value on seattle plus 172. i also uh, that over looks somewhat tempting 9.5 but i'm not going to touch it it's i don't trust the yankees yet i need another game or two to see this offense keep playing well
4: no i i think you're probably right i mean i actually if i was going to bet this game i just bet the over i'd say i'd say the mariners get you know four runs off of nestor cortez and we see the yankees tee off against tyler anderson though this new look Yankees lineup with Rizzo in there and with Gallo in there, they're much worse against left-handed pitching. And I bet, I bet your boy Brett Anderson is probably or Brett Gardner is going to find a way into that lineup against left-handed pitching. Bro. It's going to be it's a real real nightmare out there in in the Bronx. We feel yeah. all of us all of us who are rooting for the Royals and uh, the Mets and all these other teams, we feel real bad for you. We feel real bad for the champagne problems of the New York Yankees. Our final game here. A game, honestly, I don't know how this is the ESPN game. I don't know. I guess baseball doesn't have flex scheduling the way that the NFL does because there are just too many games. It would be too much of a nightmare. But I can't imagine that the Atlanta Braves at the St. Louis Cardinals, Tukey Toussaint and Wade LeBlanc, I can't imagine ESPN feels very happy about this being their marquee baseball game. We have uh, Atlanta as a minus 126 favorite. The Cardinals as a plus 108 dog, a total of nine. I I can't come up with one reason why anyone would bet the St. Louis Cardinals in this game. I mean, LeBlanc, one of the worst pitchers in Major League Baseball. The Braves are finally getting their act together after being pretty brutal all year long. They add Soler to the lineup. They add Duvall to the lineup. I mean, I, I I feel like this is an obvious spot to be on... The Atlanta Braves at minus 126. I, I, can't, I can't imagine wagering my hard-earned U.S. dollars on Wade LeBlanc, George.
5: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. We made we did well on the Braves in the over yesterday, right? We absolutely liked that. I like it again today. So give me the Braves in the over again. I'm, I might be a little bit worried about the over. over today because, you know, Tosuan has pitched well at times. Now, he's not a top, top prospect like some of the guys we've talked about here. But he's a guy who can pitch. So I could see him shutting down the Cardinals. I mean, I could see it. I don't think it's going to happen here. I'm going to be on the Braves and the Cardinals as well. Tonight's a weird night. There are no late games. This is actually the latest uh, scheduled game, 8, 16 p.m. Eastern time. So everything will be over by about 11, 1130. Don't see that very often. It's Thursday. I get it. Uh, The West Coast teams either aren't playing or they're playing this afternoon. And they're playing this afternoon from the looks of things here. So it is what it is. But it will be weird that there will be no baseball Answer about 11.30 tonight. Boo-hoo.
4: Yeah, it is. It is very odd. So I, I want to get your thoughts on one of the MVP races because I think that the American League MVP race is over. I mean, Shohei Otani is right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook listed as a minus 750 favorite for the American League MVP. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., to 6-1. And then every, it's so – I've never seen this in an MVP market in baseball – everyone else is 40 to 1 or deeper. Devers is 40 to 1, Olsen is 50 to 1, Jose Altuve is 60 to 1, Semien is 60 to 1 and everyone else is deeper than that. I honestly don't even I don't even see an avenue to Devers winning because again, I think the Red Sox performance is really going to tail off, but National League MVP is fascinating because Fernando Tatis Jr is listed at -115, but he might be getting surgery. I mean, we could be we could hear uh, at the start of hour two, that Fernando Tatis just underwent surgery and he's not going to be playing for the rest of the year. And then add in the fact that the Padres are like a bad break away from missing the playoffs entirely. You know, if they, if if they, if you, Darvish has to go back on the IL, if something like that happens, I mean, the Giants and Dodgers are pulling away from them and they are certainly ahead of, of some of the other teams sitting there i mean they are ahead of the reds but they're five games ahead of the reds that five games is not like five games is doable over the course of the rest of the season for sure then we have guys like trey turner guys like max muncie freddie freeman bryce harper is 30 to 1 i i actually think if i was gonna lay my money down right now bryce harper at 30 to 1 would be the guy that i would buy because I've been very bearish on the Mets. I think, I don't think the Phillies are that good, but I think the Phillies can win that division. And Harper is having himself a t- decent year. I mean, his walk rate is very high. His K rate is down. 17 home runs, 12 stolen bases, 306 batting average. Do we think that Harper can win National League MVP?
5: No. We do not. We do not think Harper's winning. He's been hurt a couple of times this year. He's missed games here. Uh, I don't see it happening. I just don't. Uh, his county numbers, I mean, you brought up the, uh, the advanced stats, and that means something. The county numbers aren't that good. 1741, mm, it's just not good enough here. Uh, so I don't think he's going to win, it, but the National League MVP is certainly more wide open. And, by the way, I think the Phillies win the division. Win over this with Gabe the other night, man. You look at that schedule for the Philadelphia Phillies. They play nobody. I mean, 50 of their last 60 games are against nobody. Uh, if they can't get in, I, I don't know what to tell them. You, you have no, and they're not a very good team, by the way, but their schedule breaks well for them. All they're playing is the Pittsburgh, Washington, Cubs of the world. Colorado comes in. Arizona comes in. They have all these teams that are going to play here. They should be able to – I mean, if they just play decent, you beat them two out of three every game, no one's going to be able to uh, keep up with that. So I think that will help some of the uh, MVP, for Harper, but unless he takes off, I don't see him uh, winning the MVP now
4: yeah uh i mean i just i have never i mean you would you would know more about this than i would but i've never seen someone like tatis who literally might be out for the rest of the year at any given point listed as the favorite like uh, that that i think there's some betting opportunities there in the market everyone we're going to go ahead and run into break here real quick on fantasy sports today stay tuned to sports grid see you guys in just a few moments
6: Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
4: everyone welcome to our final segment here in hour one on fantasy sports today on sports grid tv i'm davis maddock joined by george kurtz and closing out the hour here we have an update that the chicago cubs plan to unveil a stadium sports book at wrigley field now george if you've ever been to wrigley field i don't know where they're gonna put this this is an old baseball stadium this is a small area so I, one i am interested like where are they gonna put this where where does it go that is interesting to me but then two i have because of you know the pandemic and stuff i have yet to go to a stadium that has one of these sports books in it i love going to the sports book i've been to the FanDuel one out at the meadowlands it's a it's a cool experience are you into this would you be more willing to like want to go to a stadium that had a sports book in it
5: I don't know if it would make me want to go more. Uh, it'd be I'd check it out absolutely, but you're right. Wrigley is an antiquated stadium, like Fenway. You know, I don't know where they're going to fit this. You know, is it going to be cramped? Yeah, it's the first thing I come there. It's going to be cramped. What are they taking away? To put this in there, so I don't know if it would make me go more. It's not like it's tough to do now, but I, the curiosity would be there. I like being in the sports book as well, but that's mainly when I go to Vegas uh, to hang out there. So it would be a curiosity, but after seeing it the first time, I don't know if it would make me want to go back again just to see that. I'd want to go see the game more than anything else.
4: Yeah, I mean, going going to Wrigley is pretty fun. Uh, like it's it's definitely one of the stadiums where you can make a day of it. When when like when I would lived in Kansas City and I go to the Royals games. You're not really making a day of it. There's nothing to do out there. It's not like there's not like uh, here in St. Louis, we have the ballpark village. You can go get a bite to eat. You can see some restaurants. They're, like they're, It's like a whole little area. And I always find it funny. Like Some stadiums are right in the middle of everything. Coors Field, right in the middle of downtown. Basically, it looks like a big public park that happens to have some gates there. Wrigley, it's it's right in the middle of a thriving area of the city. You can go have a whole night there. So like I, I always just find... The juxtaposition of the way that sports stadiums are situated to be interesting. Everyone, we're going to wrap up hour one. Please stay tuned with us here on Sports Grid TV and Fantasy Sports Today. Hour two, Fantasy or Reality, Sports Grid 60. And my buddy Patrick Corrin is going to join us for an interview on fantasy football. See you guys in a few moments after Chris Kopsky's update.